What a wonderful thought to be able to know that God really, truly does. He sees the sparrow. I've told this story many times before, but uh, have you ever got one of those good Chick-fil-A biscuits? Jesus chicken biscuits. Amen. Get one of them chicken biscuits and you're riding down the road. I had got it, got my truck and went through the drive-thru and I was so excited. And uh, yeah, I get excited over food, praise God. Started eating on that, and I got up, and I started coming through, and I got to a traffic light. About the time I got to that traffic light, it turned yellow and it turned red, and I had to slam on the brakes as fast as I could. And Mandy, I'll be honest with you, I used to cry about this. My biscuit broke, and it fell off and fell into, hit my knee and landed on the uh, floorboard, and I'll be honest with you, that's a Chick-fil-A biscuit, I <clears throat> I almost just blew it off and ate it anyway. Amen? But uh, I'd seen all the things that was in the floorboard of my truck, so I just picked it up and I thought to myself, why in the world, Lord, why would you do that? I rolled the window down and I tossed that biscuit out and I was just mourning. And then one of those little sparrows had to ruin my breakfast. Just so he could get it fed that morning. You say, Brother Shane, do you really believe that something like that might... Hey, God's sovereign knows when that bird needs to eat. Knows what's going on in my life. And he knew, Brother Matt, he knew that I didn't need that biscuit. Praise God. But I'm thankful, though, that we can know without a shadow of a doubt that Jesus Christ loves us, cares for us. It matters to the master what is going on. In each and every one of our lives. I guarantee you that. Turn to Joel chapter number 2. The book of Joel chapter number 2. We get into the Bible study tonight. Last week we went through Obadiah. Uh, We started going through majoring on the minors. Started looking at the minor prophets. And as we look through these minor prophets. It's not because of the message that they have is minor or unimportant. Or not as important as the major prophets. Uh, Really simply a lot of people say. Well then brother Shane if he. If there is just as important, why would they call some minor and some major? Well, some were a little bit more long-winded than others. Uh, so you might even call some preachers major, major preachers and minor pre- preachers. But it's just the size or the length of the message. And uh, as you see these, uh, about the top that you have is 14 chapters. Hosea is 14 chapters. Zechariah, I believe, around 14 chapters. Uh, when you look through those books, you see these long, you see those, those chapters, but most of these, two chapters, three chapters. The book of Joel, three chapters here. Obadiah, only one chapter that we look at. And so, when we look through these, uh, we see that these minor prophets are given messages that are just as important for today as they were in the day that they gave to them. Uh, the message is just as important and just as inspired and just as instrumental today as ever. We look through, we don't have Joel, he doesn't give us a date, he doesn't give us a time frame. Most of these prophets will date themselves by giving a king of Israel or a king of Judah to let people know what time frame they were looking at. But we really can't see that in Obadiah, nor could we see that here in the book of Joel. But we can kind of go look forward to what God has in store and what has been happening and see what the historical setting of that is. And so, Brother Joel is one of the earlier prophets. As a matter of fact, some people believe he was one of the first writing prophets that we could see. And as Joel goes through, you don't know much about the man named Joel. 
You know that he's a minor prophet that God inspired to give a message. And thank God for the messages that God gives to each and every man of God. And he gives this message to Joel, but his father must have been a good man that honored God because he gave him the name of Joel. What does the name Joel mean? Jehovah is God. We're thankful that we know without a shadow of a doubt that this man was one that was guaranteeing to, to honor God, to be able to go through, and they're uh, going through this time, and they're just important. We have these messages that we have, that the impact that we see on uh, the people today is just as important with these minor prophets as they were in the day that Joel was speaking and giving this text to those people. See, you can actually easily, very easily go ahead and, and separate this in three different areas. Not chapter by chapter, but if you look through the verses, the very first one, you can outline it easily. The first portion is outlining the devastation of the land. So, Brother Shane, what's happening? The havoc that's being wreaked all over the, the land because locusts have come in and have invaded and have cleared off. They said that if one locust after another locust after another locust after another short, younger locust, all of those are coming in and they're wreaking havoc. What causes that? What causes the problems when that? Uh, once you get into this locust of uh, taking everything out, people begin to starve because people didn't have grocery stores back then. They had to actually grow their food. They actually had to start to do that. Not that grocery stores don't get their food from farms. Don't get me wrong. I know that, praise God. I'm a little bit better than a former governor. Uh, move on, praise God. But the devastation that's being wreaked all over that. And they're saying that it's going to cause famine. It's going to cause problems. It's going to cause these issues that we have, the devastation. Then you go a little further and you can look at the second portion of the book and you see supplication. You say, Brother Shane, what is supplication? That is part of our prayers, our prayer life. Very important that you have. I've taught it many a times. If you have the, the acronym of ACTS, adoration, confession, uh, 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 thanksgiving, and then you have supplication. That is the way that our prayer should really truly work. You should adore the Lord when you begin to go into prayer. Go ahead and have adoration time. And then we need to get rid of some things in our lives. We need to confess some sin sometimes in our lives. And we have a time of confession. And then we just give God thanks. We give God glory. We thank Him for what He has done. But then there is supplication in your life. What is supplication? That is giving the Lord your your cares, your wants. That's First Peter 5, 7 saying, Casting all your cares upon Him. Why? For He careth for you. When we look through that supplication time, they're trying to go, they're, because of this time of, of the locusts coming in, and there's this, this army of, of locusts that's coming, but yet during a time of turmoil, there's God that is still standing with open arms, with welcoming arms of mercy. Even in the most difficult of times, you'll still see that God is giving mercy to the people of God. To those that will turn to Him. To those that will go to Him and give everything that they have back to Him. That is a time. And then the last portion that you look at, you begin to see the last portion of an ultimate restoration. That's looking way down into the portals of time. And God shows Joel that there's a restoration that's going to take place. What is that restoration that takes place? Well, there's going to be terrible times. There's going to be judgment. There's going to be that. But all of that is going to clear out. And there's a magnificent blessings of God come into view. And you'll be able to see that God is merciful one more time. How many of you can say, thank you, God, for your mercy? <laughs> I'm so thankful that He gives grace. I'm so thankful that He gives mercy. I'm so thankful that He gives exactly what we need. 
But when we roll into that, we see a few things just in the very opening verses of the chapter. But I want you to look at our text real quickly. And then I want to give a little way, a little bit about what's going on in the book of the Joel. Look at the text verse in Joel chapter number 2, verse number 1. The Bible says this, Blow ye the trumpet in Zion. And sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble. For the day of the Lord cometh. For it is nigh at hand. Now we can say that is a true statement even today. Boy, we need to sound the trumpet. We need to sound the trumpet to let people know that's what's going on. And you begin to see, well, what is what Brother Joel telling to the people of God? What is he telling us today? Still, number one, you need to come to a realization. What is that realization? That there's a word that, that apply to our lives. If we take that, one of the most obvious lessons when we look in this, that we glean from this book, is that old adage, learn from your mistakes. I mean, you heard that before. Learn from your mistakes. Learn from what uh, has happened in your past. Or even better, learn from someone else's mistakes. That way you don't have to make that mistake at all in your life. Look at verse number, chapter number 1. Look at verse number 3 with me. It says, tell your children of it. And let your children tell their children and their children another generation. What he's saying that you need to come to a realization that you've got to learn. There's times that you've gone through. Why is the locust coming in? Why have the locusts come in to this time? Why is it there's a judgment of God that is being placed on the people of Israel? The people that, are, uh, that Joel is speaking to. This time that they're looking at. And you have to learn from the mistakes. Unfortunately though, the ultimate truth and ultimately history usually and often does repeat itself. As a matter of fact, when you go through the book of Judges, that is exactly what happens. That they get into this vicious cycle where they, they go to God and they tr- turn to God and they repent. And, and God is, uh, sends them someone to bring them out of that bondage that they may be in. But then they forget and they go back into idol worship. And then that idol worship, they turn their backs on God. And then they are oppressed. And those people that have come in and invaded their land they begin to take over. And then once again, they're saying, uh, God, we need you you to come and we need you to come into our lives once again i'll be honest with you uh, wouldn't you get tired if the same person came to you all the time making the same mistake wouldn't you get tired of it but yet god is merciful gracious loving and kind and so many times we make mistakes but yet we come to realization that god we've got to turn back to you and then the greatest thing that we have, that you see this in Joel chapter number 1, verse number 14, you see that God gives a remedy to what is going on in their lives. By the context that we know that the people of Judah have been plagued with this infestation of that locust and they're swarming wave after wave after wave and they're destroying everything in their path and devastation is the result. That's exactly what's taking place. Nothing is good. But then unfortunately when the devastation strikes... That has a way of making other people or the people that are under that devastation, their hearts get tender. I made the statement not long ago or a few weeks ago. You remember the Sunday morning after 9-11-2000? The church house was packed. Devastation. 
People were scared. People were afraid. And they were saying, we need to turn back to God. People that were in our government were sitting on the steps of the, uh, uh, of the Capitol. And they were singing praises. They were praying together. And boy, that the wish, we, we wish that the world would still continue to be just that way that it is. That, but they've turned their back once again. But the remedy is simply this. To go and to be able to proclaim a fast. To be able to proclaim. To go back to the Word of God. And His message was bold. And His message was... Uh, uh, a very proclaiming, thus saith the Lord. And that's exactly what we need preachers behind pulpits to be able to say even today. Thus saith the Lord. Well, what is it to repent? Look at verse number 14 in chapter number 1. Sanctify ye a fast. Call a solemn assembly. Gather the elders and all the inhabitants of the land into the house of the Lord and your God. And cry unto the Lord. Just last week we had, Thursday was the National Day of Prayer. I shared with you a few things. Boy, how the nation needs prayer, Brother Richard. We need prayer in this time. We need prayer. The church needs prayer. We need prayer for the officials that are leading our country. We need prayer for the officials and the people that are leading our churches. We need prayer for all of those. Uh, But we need prayer for our families. Brother Matt, we need prayer for our children. We need prayer for your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren. And we need to get on our knees and begin to see those sort of things. Why? Because the remedy is turning to God. Give it back over to Him. What is that message? Repent. Repent. See, that command is very simple. But look with me in Joel chapter number 2. If you get to verse number 12, look at this. Therefore also now saith the Lord, Turn ye even to me with all your heart, and with fasting and with weeping and with mourning, and rend, rend your heart. The Bible tells us that God will do business with a Broken heart, contrite spirit. Brother Mike, so many times I believe that we honestly just are so complacent in our lives and so complacent in our world that we live in and we're complacent because, uh, get me, I'm going to get in trouble, Brother Earl, by four and no more. My wife is saved, my husband is saved, my children are saved, my grandchildren are saved, everything else, I don't care about everything else as long as my family is all right. But that's not the great commission that God has given to us. God has told us to go out into the highways and the byways. Jesus Christ told us to be able to go out and to tell all the world, start in Jerusalem and then go out into Samaria and then go out even to the uttermost parts of the world. That is what we are supposed to do. Those are the way that we're supposed to preach. Preach what? Repeat, repent, repent, repent for the kingdom of God is coming. Repent. Why? Boy, there's, there's, if you've never trusted Christ tonight, boy, if, if you've never trusted Christ as your Savior tonight, tonight is the perfect night to give your life over to the Lord Jesus Christ. If you have never placed your faith in Him tonight, but God commends His love toward us while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. How can you be saved? Just trust that Jesus Christ, if you believe in your heart that God has uh, raised Him from the dead, that He died and rose again, you can be saved tonight. Boy, those are the things that we need to have. But then there's also, there's times where we just need to get a little confession in our life as well. That's when 1 John 1, 9 comes into mind and it tells us that if we confess our sin, that He is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Most likely the most well-known verse as we begin to look through these chapters of Joel 
is found actually down in Joel chapter number 2, verse number 28. Look with me there, and it says, And it shall come to pass afterward, after all these other things, that I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions, and also upon the servants and upon the handmaidens in the days will I pour out my Spirit. What a wonderful thing. But we need to have that continue to happen, Brother Steve. We need to continue to, to pray for this. You say, well, why is that so, uh, so known? Why do you remember that? Well, remember Acts chapter number 2. Peter's standing up and he's preaching on the day of Pentecost. And he quotes those verses right there. Today is the day that you see this prophecy that's actually coming to pass. You see the prophecy that's happening. What is that prophecy? The gift of the Holy Spirit of God. Thank God that the Holy Spirit of God is real in my life. Thank God that when you got saved, boy, Brother Richard, when I was a six-year-old little boy, I gave my life to Jesus Christ. And that day, that day, I got my, I got my dose of the Holy Spirit of God. And I'll be honest with you, I ain't got over it yet. Hallelujah. And I hope you don't ever get over having the Holy Spirit of God, the gift of the Holy Spirit of God with you. And then you see the grace of the Holy Spirit of God that's wooing you and welcoming you and, and trusting you trusting in Him to be able to know that He has gotten you to the... But then there's the time that you get to see the glory of the Holy Spirit of God and you get to see the majesty of the Holy Spirit of God and it's a wonderful thing that takes place it's a wonderful time to be able to give your life to Jesus Christ and trust in what he has done for you so what's so assuring to me when we get to look through these verses and I know I've, I've, I've skipped around I just want to give you a quick overview of what's happening here in the book of Joel uh, but, but what's so assuring about in the midst of this judgment here there is still mercy The mercy of God that is so sweet to experience. But when we apply it to our lives, we say, well, Brother Shane, how can I apply this? God, help me. How do I apply what the book of Joel, what the prophet is saying? How do I apply it to what's going on in my life? Well, that prophecy simply is this, that in Joel chapter number 2, it says, Blow ye the trumpet in Zion and south, sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord cometh, and it is nigh... At hand. So what is the book of Joel telling me to do? To get up and to tell others. Jesus is coming soon. Now I'll be honest with you. I've never been a great player of the trumpet. I've never been uh, one of the woodwind kind of guys. I was always more of a percussion sort of guy. I, I'll be honest with you. When I, got, when I was three or four years old, my mom and dad gave me a set of drums. Can you imagine giving a three or four year old a set of drums? Some mamas are like, no way, not my kids. But mom and dad, well, they put me in the basement and locked me down there. But it, uh, we won't go there. We won't talk about that. But, uh, and it was, it was the Muppet drums, too. Now, y'all remember the Muppets? Y'all remember who the drummer for the Muppets was? Oh, man. Animal. I loved Animal. So I wanted to play the drums just like Animal. And then they got me to church and said, you can't play like that. I said, wait a minute, wait a minute. But I had a good time. I always wanted to play the drums and wanted to do as much as I could. And the, the drums were uh, such an important... And let me go ahead and say this. Those of you that are going to be like, oh, oh my goodness. Well, we do have a set of drums over here. We do play them. We play them correctly. We play them 
in the right spirit. We play them in the right way. And by the way, the Word of God is actually many times, it talks about drums. It's an important instrument in the Word of God. The book of Psalms goes through and says to praise God on the cymbals, to be able to make sure that we're playing that percussion time. And then we're, we're here to, to play uh, for the glory of God, not to bring anything to ourselves. And it's spoken so frequently time there in the Psalms. But then also the trumpet is spoken of as an instrument that had a lot of purpose in the Bible. And what is that purpose? Well, number one, it was an instrument that called the people to worship. Y- y'all remember those churches that had those bells? Somebody would get up there and ring that bell and be able to call people to Sunday school. I, they don't even make those anymore. Well, they have a little bell tower, but it's all fake. And they have speakers up there and they push a button. Now, Brother Jim, I'll be honest with you. I just want the real thing. I'm like, don't give me Coke Zero. That's not the real thing. Give me the real thing, the real sugar, the real good stuff. That's what I want. I didn't look like this by drinking sugar-free stuff, hallelujah. But those things are what we think of. And boy, that, 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 that time that it would call to worship. And that's, that's exactly what that instrument. And it was also one that called them to battle. A certain sound that that trumpet would give was not only a time of worship, but then another sound would come out, and it was a time for those men to come out and say, it's time to defend our country. Brother Earl, I believe with all of my heart, there's a call to worship that's happening right now during this time as well, but there is also a time that is happening that we need to make sure that we're the call to defend what God has given to us. There's a time where we're going to have to stand up and defend the Word of God. There's a time where we're going to have to stand up and we're going to have to defend exactly what we believe. There's a time that we're going to have to defend that we know without a shadow of a doubt that Jesus Christ has saved us and He is the only way. He is the only truth. He's the only life. He's the only way that we can have salvation and have eternal life through Him. That's an instrument that brought them to battle as well. And then there's a lot of purposes that we have. I'll be honest with you. If you've ever been to a funeral of a, a person that served in the military, you hear those sweet tones of that trumpet that's playing. It's closing out the life of someone else. Someone that's given their life for the country. There's a lot of trumpets that sounded, but right now there's a trumpet that needs to be sounding. And you are that trumpet. You are the trumpet that needs to sound to be able to tell a few things. In our text, Joel is telling the people to sound the trumpet, sound it uh, as a warning, sound it as a sound to to be able to call people to worship, uh, somebody to wake up and, and say, look, this is what's happening in our lives. We need to make sure it's a time that the church of God, that we not hold anything back anymore, that we just step back and say, this is what God has told us to do. This is the command of God. And therefore, we're not worried about what's going on around the world in me. I don't care what the people... People around me say it is what the word of God says. And we stand completely on that. Now, I know I'm preaching to the Wednesday night crowd. And most of you are saying, why would you preach something like this to us? Remind me, dear Lord. Every once in a while, we need reminding. I know exactly who I'm preaching to, but I want you to go through it with me real quickly and, and we'll let you out early probably tonight if the Lord just gives us liberty to be able to go through. But when we look at this, the very first one that I thought of, the first one that I thought of, Brother Earl, was there's a, there's a trumpet of warning that we need to give. 
What is that trumpet of warning? Well, blow ye the trumpet in Zion. Sound an alarm in my holy hill. That alarm was different from the call to worship. Sounding that alarm was to tell people that there's something happening. And there's something that's, that's going on and we need to go out and we need to see what's going on. And, and I'll be honest with you. The Lord wants us to get out into this world and tell a lost and dying world that He is coming soon. That we need to warn others of what's going on. Need to warn others that Jesus Christ is on his way and there will be consequences to the things that we have done in this life. If we trust Christ as our Savior, thank God that he'll forgive us and we can go further. But we need to warn others that there is a day coming when God will pour out his judgment. By the way, in the book of Revelation, if you begin to look through chapter number 8, there are some trumpets that begin to be sounded. Those trumpets are... Trumpets of woe. Those are trumpets of judgment that are being poured out uh, on, the, the, on this world. Thank God I don't have to deal with that. Hallelujah. Thank God that I'm not going to be here during that time. Thank God that I'm going to be uh, eating supper with Jesus Christ. Amen. But what are we doing? We're warning. Well, what, how are we warning? We're being a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. When's the last time that you went out and witnessed to somebody? Hmm. When's the last time you were at the gas station? And knocked on somebody's window and scared them half to death because they thought you were going to rob them. Amen. Or just went across the pump there and gave them a track and let them know that the Lord Jesus Christ is on His way and there's day coming. Sound the alarm that Jesus is coming back soon. Ezekiel tells us this way in 33.3 it says, And if when ye see the sword come upon the Lamb and He blow, blow the trumpet and warn the people, we see what's happening. We see that there's a day that's coming. I will be honest with you, Brother Joel, I look out throughout the world and through the land today and I see that Jesus Christ has everything lining up just the way that it needs to be. You say, Brother Shane, what is the next thing that needs to take place on the prophetic timetable of the Lord Jesus Christ? What is the next thing that has to happen before the Lord Jesus Christ comes back? You know what it is? Nothing. Nothing at all needs to take place. And the Lord Jesus Christ could come back at any moment. And I'd be alright if it were tonight. I would be alright if it was in the morning. I'd be alright if it was right here during this time. I'd love to be able to be preaching the Word of God and Jesus come out. Glory to God. Hallelujah. To be able to pull us up out of this old vile world. There's nothing that needs to happen. We need to witness and tell people of a warning. Need to go out to the people of this world. Jesus Christ is coming soon. Warn that he's coming, but then also we need to warn him about the wiles of the devil. The devil hates you. Let's just be real plain. The devil desires that you die and go to hell. The devil will try to do everything he can, even after you are saved. He hates you even more. Because he knows that he can't get your soul, but he wants to do everything that he can to trip you up and cause problems in your life. The Bible tells us in 1 Peter 5, 8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, and I love this, as a roaring lion. As means he's not a roaring lion. Hallelujah. He's not a roaring lion, but he's trying to act like he is something else. You ever met somebody that tries to act like they're all big and bad and they're not, not really anything at all? 
You ever met somebody that's just, I'm going to act like I'm tough, and then they're just a big teddy bear? Yeah, I know some folks like that. But the wiles of the devil, Satan himself, he's trying to come after you, and they are not fairy tales. He's not, they're not a figment of your imagination. The people of this world have tried to put a, a, a thought process in the people's mind that there's, uh, the devil's just this red guy that runs around with horns and a pitchfork and has a tail with a little point on the end of it. That is not the devil. The devil himself will bring himself as an angel of light, will be able to, to, to be able to deceive you, to be able to uh, bring things into your thought process and battle into your mind. But there is a God that is... Hallelujah. There is a God that is much bigger than Satan. There is a God that is much more powerful than Satan. There is a God that is in this world that can take care of us. And as long as we are uh, His, then God will take care every time. Boy, the devil may come against you and may cause all sorts of problems for you. But I've got greater is He that's in me. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Y'all better start helping me that right now. Greater is He that is in me than He that is in the world. I thank God that I have the the know to that Jesus Christ is my Savior, that I know that the Holy Spirit of God is my helper, that God is my Father, that heaven is my home, and Satan is a defeated foe all along the way. Hallelujah. There's a warning that we've got to get. We've got to tell other people, yes, the devil's coming after you. But when you give your life to Jesus, he's got no power against you. But then there's also that call of worship. There's a different sound. Look at verse number 15 with me in chapter number 2. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Sanctify a fast. And call a solemn assembly. That time where that church house would be able to have that bell to ring. And the church would start singing. And they'd start singing about that old bell that begins to ring. And it would call them to worship. And they'd have a good time. But there's still a call to worship. And the people of Israel would hear that trumpet call. And they would come and they would worship God. How would they worship God? During this time period. This is during a time where the, the, uh, uh, the, the, the tabernacle is still up. Or rather the temple is still up. And the temple is still being used. Because he's saying that all of these things that are happening during this time, there's this wonderful thing that they had. They had sacrifices. In Leviticus chapter number 25, verse number 9, the Bible says this, Then thou shalt cause the trumpet of Jubilee to sound on the tenth day of the seventh month, and in the day of atonement shall ye make the trumpet sound throughout your land. It is a time that we just go ahead and allow the trumpet of God to sound for worship for the people of God. They would come back and they would say that the Day of Atonement, well, they were so excited. What was the Day of Atonement for them? The Day of Atonement for them was the day that they would go in and the high priest would go into their time and go in and give that sacrifice and would bring it and the blood would be poured out overall upon the the, the, the mercy seat of God on top of the Ark of the Covenant. And boy, that's a, a wonderful thing. But Brother Matt, when I get to the book of Hebrews, guess what happened? We don't need to worry about going to the temple anymore. Why? Because there's everything that was here on earth and the temple is also there in heaven and the mercy seat of God is very real. But then all of a sudden you say, well, Brother Shane, how do I get there? 
Hallelujah. How do I get up there to heaven and pour out a sacrifice that I need to make? Boy, honey, your sacrifice has already been made for you. Your sacrifice was made on a little place called Calvary. On that little hill, glory to God. And I believe with all of my heart, Brother Earl, during that time that Jesus Christ was in the grave, He went ahead and went up to the glory portal time and went and walked through the heavens, pearly gates, walked into the Holy of Holies. That is the Holy of Holies. Walked in and said, Father, here is my blood. Here is my sacrifice. Here is my my all that I've given to you. And boy, you kick in through there and pour that that out. And the blood is on the per, upon the mercy seat of heaven. There is no need for another blood sacrifice, Brother Earl. Because Jesus Christ has made the ultimate sacrifice. And it's there in heaven for God to see. And God says, satisfied with what He's done. Satisfied with what Lord Jesus Christ has done for each and every one of us. Boy, ain't it good to have a a Savior that has done such a wonderful thing for each and every one of us. Satisfied the Savior. But what can I worship Him about? Boy, the ultimate sacrifice has been made for me. The ultimate sacrifice has been made for you. But I also, in Psalm 136, there's 26 verses in that chapter. And every one of them, every one of them end the same way. For his mercy endureth forever. Boy, the chapter opens this way. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord for he is good. I can say amen. For his mercy endureth forever. Oh, give thanks unto God of gods for his mercy endureth forever. Oh, give thanks to the Lord of lords for his mercy endureth forever. To him who alone doeth great wonders. For his mercy endureth forever. Who, did you get a hold of that? Who alone, that means God didn't need our help for our salvation. God didn't need anybody else's help for our salvation. That means that he came through and he was able to do it every step of the way by himself. And he alone has done great and wonderful and Righteous things for each and every one of us. And we can know and we can praise God that He has given. Oh, thank God for the mercy of God that He's bestowed upon each and every one of us. Well, you look through, God has mercy on each and every one of us. And we should worship Him for that. You go through the rest of that chapter. For His mercy endureth forever. For His mercy endureth forever. You get to the end of it. It says, oh, give thanks unto God of heaven. For His mercy endureth forever. There's been times. Have you ever played that game, Mercy? You get up with somebody and you think you're stronger than them. You're going to bend their wrists over. And they got to cry for mercy. Michelle and Mandy were so mean to me. I was their little brother and I never could beat them. But I want a rematch, bless God, after church tonight. No. Boy, the mercy of God. He's never had a contest to where he would, you would just, hey, I'll cry out. It's mercy's loving kindness that he has. Lamentation tells us this way, that this I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. Because of his compassions fail not, they are new. How often? Every morning. Every morning. Great 
is thy faithfulness. Boy, not only do we have that, that time that we need to have a call of worship and a call of warning, but I'm going to be honest with you, I believe we need a, a call to wake up. A call of waking right now. The end of that verse in chapter number one, or chapter number two, verse number one, it says, For the day of the Lord cometh, and it is nigh at hand. Brother Joel, I've heard people say that. I'm 40 some odd years old now. I've been hearing it all my life. Jesus is coming soon. Jesus is coming soon. Jesus is coming soon. It could happen any day now. Does it make it any less true that I've been sitting here for 40-something years? Absolutely not. Jesus is coming soon. When Jesus Christ decides to come, that's when he will be here. We're getting closer, though. You say, what about yesterday? You said he might come yesterday. He didn't come. Well, I'm just one day closer to him coming now. And it could just be any day now. And the good thing about it right now is we're living in a dispensation of grace, a time of grace, a time of mercy. And in Joel chapter number 2, if you look over, look at verse number 32, the very last chapter, it says, And it shall come to pass that, I love this, Who shall ever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be delivered. And the mountain and the Jerusalem shall be deliverance, as the Lord hath said. And in the remnant whom the Lord shall call, God is giving deliverance to people even still today. Deliverance from their sins. You say, Brother Shane, well, what do I need to wake up from? What do I need a waking from? Well, there's coming a day, Brother Joel, that we're going to be changed. We're going to be changed in the moment of the twinkling of an eye. And I don't know what I'm going to be. I don't know what I'm going to look like. All I know is I'm going to have to weigh a lot less to be able to get off the ground and, and get to heaven. But I can tell you this, that I don't know what it's going to be, but in the moment of the twinkling of an eye, that's just milliseconds that the, the trump of God is going to be a sounding and I'm going to be able to hear that time and that dead in Christ is going to be raised up incorruptible and we shall all be changed into whatever God is going to put us into. I'm thankful that we're going to be raised and we're not going to have any pain anymore. We're not going to have any suffering anymore. There'll be no sin anymore. There'll be no disease anymore. There'll be no problems with our families anymore. There'll be no problems with our nations anymore. Why? Because the Lord himself is going to make everything all right. Boy, don't you thank God for the fact that we can, we gotta get, we're going to get to be in that day. There's a change, but then also there's a call that could happen just any day. I'm going to read these verses as simply and as calmly as I can. Are you all ready? For the Lord... I don't last long. For the Lord... Himself. For the Lord Himself shall descend with the voice of the archangel, the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together to be with them in the clouds and meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. It's right around the corner. There were times that people would get excited about. The coming of the Lord. I think we need to get excited about it now too. That we need to know that this whole world is not what we have to look forward to. 
that there's something greater, a day greater that's coming for each and every one of us, a day that's greater. I'm listening for the sound for Jesus Christ to call me home. I hope you're listening for it. And I believe that that heavenly orchestra just might be tuning up. Just might be getting ready. Jesus, I I can just imagine it this way. I, I remember when I was a little boy, and I, Dad would say, well, not right now, son. And I'd just say, can we now? Don't y'all know, y'all have kids. Are we there yet? Is it time? Is it time yet? Is it time? Boy, I think Jesus Christ is just as excited to come and get us as we are for Him to come and get us. I don't know, maybe some of, he might be a little more excited than some of we are. But we get excited to know that Jesus Christ is coming again. There's a call that's coming. And we got to tell people, wake up, that there's time that Jesus Christ is going to come and enjoy the everlasting times with the Lord Jesus Christ. And we'll have the final call for the children of God. See, the great thing about it, when you look in the book of Joel, he's saying, sound those trumpets, sound those trumpets, sound those trumpets. Tell people that there's time coming. The old overreaching theme of that whole book of Joel seems to be that there's comfort during the chaos. How we can have peace in the storm. How is it that we can have peace? Because God is still on the throne. We got to realize that there's a remedy we got to call people to go out and to repent because time is short. Sound the trumpet for your family. I wouldn't say that, but not by a showing of hands, but I just want you to think about this. How many of you can say that everybody in my family, I don't have a fret, I don't have a worry about anybody in my family, we're all going to glory. If you can say that, praise the Lord. If you can't say that, sound the trumpet. If you can't say that, I know that my children are okay, my grandchildren are okay, my great-grandchildren are okay, my aunts, my uncles, my grandparents, all of those people, my extended family, the neighbors that I have across the street at my house, uh, the people that we work with day in and day out. If you don't have any worry about that, boy, everybody that's seated in the church that we go to, if we don't have any worries that nobody is going to miss heaven, then we can sit here and not say a thing. But if we have the thought that there's one, just one that doesn't know Him, we need to sound the trumpet. Sound it to our family, sound it to our community, sound it to our country, sound it to everybody that we can talk about. I wonder tonight, would you be willing to get ready to start sounding a trumpet that Joel's telling you to sound? Would you be willing to go out and to tell others about Jesus Christ and His coming soon? Warn them. Worship with us. and Wake to a time that Jesus Christ is coming soon. I believe that this is the call that Brother Joel has given to each and every one of us. I want to carry it out the best that I can. And the only way that I know that I can. Let's stand all over the building. Heavenly Father. Lord, I...